0: Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library.
1: Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. This is Jessica. I am a librarian here. Um, Which is relevant because of the book, (laughs) Uh, not just because it is a book, y'all, you'll you'll hear more about it in a second. Um, And uh, this is, as I mentioned, Turn the Page podcast, I'm a little nervous today, because this book was so good. And I don't think that I'm going to be able to do it justice to do my absolute best. I'm here with author Laura Sims, who wrote, How Can I Help You?, which actually is very meta for me, because it is a book about library workers. Um, And man, it's like, you know, it's a it's a lot packed in um, a book uh, and it goes very quickly. And it's about it has two um, female narrators, um, Margo. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say Margot, uh, yep. even though you yep. learn early on that her name is not Margot um and um
0: Patricia, Patricia, it depends on who you ask, right? She, like, <laughs> she pronounces it Patricia, Patric- right?
1: Patricia.
0: Patricia. Margot can't quite get it.
1: Right. So <laughs> um and they're both working at this library. Uh they both have their pads that took them there, which are very, very different um but uh one day um as it happens sometimes a dead body is found in the library bathroom and it kind of sets off a chain of sort of events that kind of throw a lot of things together so um man this book is crazy please tell me where
0: it came from and welcome laurison thank you thank you it's great to be here um it came from a couple of things or a few things first was Margot, and she is inspired by a real person named Jane Toppin who was a serial killing nurse in the 1800s and I learned about her listening to a true crime podcast called Criminal which is I think one of the best true crime podcasts out there and um They did an episode on Jane. They called her Jolly Jane because she was very cheerful, energetic, efficient nurse, but she was also killing her patients by injecting them with morphine and climbing on top of them as they died to watch them. I mean, she was a real piece of work. So she fascinated me when I heard that podcast. And so I just kind of tucked her in the back of my brain for later, like, oh, this is a possible character someday. I always wanted to write a female psychopath serial killer. That's one of my dreams. So she seemed to fit the bill. And then the other piece was working at the library and I had, I worked part-time at my local library. I had been very part-time like once a month until the pandemic hit. And then there were a lot of people who didn't want to come back, you know, understandably, to work and so I started working a little more often and really got to know what a wonderful rich setting it would be for a novel and I started taking notes like Patricia does in the book because she's a writer also about my different encounters with people and those and at some point I don't remember when but those two ideas merged and I thought oh my gosh I want her to be on the run, you know, living this camouflaged life in the library. Those were the two main parts that came together for inspiration.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I've worked at this library since 2002.
0: Okay, wow. That's uh,
1: Yeah, it's a while. And you know, I started when I was in my very early 20s. I was like right out of college and I'd just gone back to library school and I happened to wow. get a part-time trainee position here. And, you know, I had a lot of people who were like, oh, ha! Ah, you're working at a library. You're going to library school. What do they teach you? Intro to shushing. And you just learned that that's a really kind of tire joke very, very quickly, uh, yeah. because you learn a lot about people at the library and you learn a lot about um, interpersonal relationships and just sort of how things work and how people relate to each other but also some really crazy things happen because it is a public building and obviously I'm not going to go into anything you know here this is the library's podcast I'll say you know you you see things sometimes Mm -hmm. and you're just like what Um, and librarians and I love you I am one of them I am one of you we're some quirky folks Um, so not only do we attract quirky people here uh, but we attract quirky workers, and I really sure. just immediately when I started reading this book, I was just grabbed by Margot. Um, you know, obviously it's not spoiling it saying that Margot has some issues uh, because she's based on um <laughs> she does she's she does, still does. Our nurse,
0: yeah. But I really liked her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that because I really like her too. I mean, I really like her
1: and. You know, Patricia as well. And, you know, like she they both feel like people who I've known and just kind of putting them together in this setting Um, with a reference desk, by the way, which is which is very funny to me. There's like a whole thing about like. Reference questions and getting reference questions and you know, who takes what question. And I thought that that was really funny, too. It was just such a good place to sort of grow this story. Um, So, I mean, you know, why specifically the reference desk?
0: I guess because I work at the reference desk. And so and I get a lot of interesting questions and calls there. Uh, maybe more than the circulation desk does because they get the calls and they send them to me. <laughs> so so that's why I mean very practical but the reference desk seems it, it is a, the perfect place for this this character to be I think. Yeah.
1: No, I absolutely agree with you um and you know like so, you know and also I have to say like some of the people Especially that Margo was dealing with in the beginning, you know, who are using the computers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're referring to.
1: (laughs) I just, again, and it's like, it's something I would never talk about here because, again, it's public and, you know, like certain incidents, they happened a long time ago. But I was like, man, is every (laughs) every (laughs) computer room on the lot, like a library, do do we all have? people who just come with this similar quirk because it's just, it's very, it's very funny. Like you would be surprised. And it's just a really like, you know, it's a really good. um, It's a really good place for, like I said, like for to to grow this story and uh, you know, like I thought that, um, you know, so you have Margot's story, but then Patricia's story is she really wants to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. And she has something completely different that she left behind. So like when you were really like putting her story together, um, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, it's like you, you noticed that this was a good place to sort of like take notes about people did she sort of come from anywhere else or was she kind of just sitting very meta in your mind?
0: <laughs> She's definitely meta. She's, there's definitely a lot of me in Patricia. Um, I think, you know, I had Margot's voice and I had the library setting and I started writing it with just Margot, And I think I realized at a certain point, like, I need something more. I need a foil for her and I need to, it, something to enrich the the book and the narration. And that is where Patricia came from. And she was easy for me. Right. And she's a writer. She's a librarian. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of me in her. But she started off that way. And then, of course, she has her own interesting progression where she has has things happen and does things. but, um, yeah, so it was interesting. I, putting these two women together was what made it so interesting. And like you, I love I really liked Margot. I loved writing her. But as the book goes along, I actually preferred writing Patricia. She became more interesting to me as the as the book progressed.
1: one thing about Patricia and I just um, had to write this down sort of because it was a thought that came up, you know, she's really like, she really is like a researcher at heart. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of something that, you know, that's another thing that attracts people to a library as a worker or as a patron as well. Um, You know, this sort of need to dig deeper and this sort of Mm -hmm. need to like, you know, Sometimes you um, you uncover something and then you just want to find out as much as possible. Um, I know I've mentioned a few times, like sometimes I'll do something myself that I call like parallel reading, where I'll read a book that's about a topic and mm. then I'll find a nonfiction book about the same topic and I'll read them simultaneously because it's like, you know, like, okay, I'm already here. But I want to feel the setting out more. And I think that um I really, I really dug Patricia Patricia. Now I'm becoming Margot here. Patricia. You can
0: say, call her whatever you want. I'm
1: not gonna do that. <laughs> I really loved Patricia's um, you know, just her thought process because it was so relatable. It did sort of capture that feeling of like, you know that you're following this fire trail mm-hmm. and you know, it, like, you're just like, oh, is this yep. going to explode on me? But you just can't help you yourself.
0: Can't I know she's yeah. definitely carried away and she has these underutilized research skills that she's found she mm-hmm. isn't really using at work, you know, and that was a surprise to me from libraries, the transition from library school to real world library was that, Oh, I'm not (laughs) helping people with research projects very often. It's more like these phone calls. What time is this show on? What's the weather in Dubai? You know, and and other stranger things. Um, So it's fun that she gets to use her research skills and her which help her writing.
1: I think what's really funny about this also is, uh, you know, you mentioned that stuff. I remember like way back when there was some video, not video commercial, it was a commercial mm-hmm. about like somebody not not knowing the lyrics to a song. It would they pour some sugar on me and they call the library to find out about like, hey, can you tell me? And you're just like, you know, you think like, oh, in the day and age of computers and smartphones, like that doesn't happen anymore, does it?
0: It does, because not everybody has computers and smartphones, you know, that's, you know, who comes to the library now or people left behind by the digital revolution. Yeah, I think people don't realize that just assume, oh, everybody has computers. Well, no, no, they don't. You know, that was,
1: I think, something that I really liked about this book. Um, And I also like, you know, because. A lot of times, when a book is um, sort of has less technology like that, you know, it's the it's the writer putting it in an earlier time frame, right? Um, But this one wasn't, and I appreciated that about it. You know, it's um, it's a good, a good look at uh, just sort of how things work. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Definitely, I think we have these. A lot of people have such outdated, romanticized ideas about the library, and they're still popping up in new films and books and as that show the library as this kind of sacred, quiet book vault. And that's just not the case anymore, you know, It's a community center. Um, we help people who are left behind by so many other institutions. It's like one of the last places that welcomes everyone.
1: And that's that was yeah. Uh, that was also sort of uh, to the chagrin of certain characters in yes, this book. That's true. <laughs> like it, it works out. It works out if you don't have a shady history, but if yeah. you
0: know. yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> but you know, one thing also, you, I really would you, how would you, like, characterize the genre of this book uh, because. Yeah. I I am a, de- I am definitely um, a suspense horror reader, but I know that if you call something horror, you know, automatically people are like, oh, well, you know, they'll think slasher, they'll think automatically bloody. And I always feel like I have to explain to people like, I mean, sometimes, but you know, like, what do you call, what do you call the true crime that you consume? Do you, right. you know, do you call that horror? Because. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and this was like, I mean, really, it was like very suspenseful. It had my heart pounding. And it also does deal with, you know, a serial killer like a serial yeah. killing nurse. And it deals yeah. with um just some real like psychological stuff that is um it's akin to that, but also it's, you know, it's also suspense. It's like it's It's, it's something I would recommend, but depending on who I recommend it to, like my horror friends, I'd be like, you know what, you're going to like this one. This is like real, you know, this is like um, real, like a cat and mouse type story. And, you know, it's got like, it's got a little bit of everything in it, but then, you know, to people who are like, oh, I just like thrillers. I'd be like, yep, this book is for you too.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. Yes. I love it. I love it when people call this book or, and look, or my first book, um, horror, you know, I think that it comes closest to psychological horror. You know, I think that is the closest genre, but it's rarely called that. And it's usually called a thriller. I think the publishers, um, marketing it as literary fiction slash suspense thriller, you know, so any of those are fine, but I really love it being called like psychological horror. I think that's the most accurate
1: I agree and I think that um, I mean for me that's like the horror that I usually like the best too oh. like that's what's you know like when I I have a bit of an affinity for you know every like the, a classic slasher film I feel like at this point yeah. it's been overdone yeah you know like I feel like for me I feel like after, like, the original Scream trilogy, I'm like, okay, you know, because that was technically a parody on them, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, so I'm good with that, but psychological stuff is really, like, that's really scary, because it feels very real, and it deals with, like, who can you trust? And what I like about the, like, the location of this is that you are supposed to, trust the library and people do have these visions of library well when you when you go into a library every people who don't know like you know they'll just be like oh well everybody's a librarian who works there and then if you ask yeah. librarians like one of Mar- like one of Margot's co-workers like well she's technically not a librarian you know like right right very nitpicky about it but everybody's just like, oh, you know, you. She works in the library. She's a good, quiet person who's never done a thing. And right,
0: yeah. <laughs> your your expectations. Yes. And sa- and same for the library. It was fun to set it in this place, like you said, that people trust, that is cozy and welcoming. So very fun to set a very dark story in the library for that reason. So
1: I am, I understand your first book is under some sort of adaptation, I guess actually now, because we have the writer's strike. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because we've had this conversation come up on the podcast a few times and then it's like, we have to remind ourselves. And then it just keeps getting,
0: I know. Yeah. Yes. It's been optioned since 2018. Um, Emily Mortimer optioned it and she has, and she would star in it, produce and direct. And so she's had it for many years and has been a passionate champion. Um, And we came close. It was at HBO for a while and then HBO dropped it. And so now, as soon as the strike ends, uh, you know, hopefully soon, (laughs) we'll see. They are going to shop it around again. But they have kind of a whole they have Emily Jessica Beale as the co-star. She'll play the actress and looker. Um, they have two scripts written, they're fabulous scripts by two women writers, screenwriters. So they have this great package. So I really hope that it happens. <laughs> it's such a long If you think that the publishing industry is complex, then it's like Hollywood is just a thousand times more complicated and things take forever. I definitely hear that because we do, it's it's funny. And then when
1: you talk to authors who are kind of going through this and then you're just like listening to how long it takes, but then sometimes, you know, something comes out and it spreads like wildfire and people who read the book are like, yeah, I read that a long time ago. And, you know, <laughs> you think like, you know, if they just, if they just jumped on this a little sooner, no. I mean, I would, I would love to see how can I help you in some sort
0: Maybe of. Too. Yeah. Um, like- so yeah. Putting a squash on that right now, but hopefully we'll see. I
1: would like to ask before we close out, um, mm. who are some of your favorite fictional librarians?
0: Oh gosh, I just wrote an essay on this for Electric Lit, so I should know. No way. Yes, I I swear I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, one of my favorites is Jennifer Sang's Mayumi and the Sea of Happiness. Do you know that book? It's a wonderful book. It came out in 2016, I think, and it is about a librarian living on a small island off the shore of Washington state. And she's kind of bored with her life and she enters into a really ill-advised romantic relationship with a patron. And uh, it's such a great book, such a great book. and I'm going to blank on any others. Of course, I'm dying to read Patrick Dewitt's new novel, *The Librarianist*, um, which has a librarian protagonist. And and I'm trying to I blanking on my other choices that I just wrote about. Do you have favorites? Oh, absolutely, a hundred and ten percent. So
1: I mean, film, TV wise, and I guess comic wise and I guess bookwise at this point, because he's made a, he, he's made an appearance in all of them. I am 110% a fan of Rupert Giles from Buffy. He oh, is right. so great.
0: Yeah. Like, I wasn't even thinking about TV. I was just thinking books.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Rupert Giles is my favorite. I absolutely just sort of love him. Um, yeah. He's got a lot of layers to him. It didn't, that um is it anthony stewart head or Stewart anthony head no i can't remember that he is nice to look at um (laughs) although the character the character he plays on ted lasso is a horrible person and that That might have cured me yeah (laughs) that might have cured me a little (laughs) bit of it but um yeah, he's by far um, one of them. There's also the librarian in the Discworld series who is, is he an orangutan? Now I can't remember. But, um, you know, like, I i generally um, like these characters that somehow skew the, um, you know, the the view of librarians because because, um oh and you know who else and i guess she's literature and tv and comics as well i'm just going for all the weird ones um have (laughs) you this is so technically this is children's but have you ever read watched or i guess read the graphic novels of um hilda
0: Oh yes. Yes. That librarian. She has a
1: yes, she has a name in the T V series and I'm blanking on it now, but she's she's great. Um she's a she's a favorite of mine. I like her a lot. I like that all the librarians in that series are witches. Uh-huh. Um, in, in one That's way awesome. or another and some of them are like really set in their ways like you know like you need to return the book at a certain time and then you know there are some that are a little bit less um yeah. but yeah no she's she's one of my favorites too
0: oh yeah yes and Matilda I'm just remembering of course the librarian and that is wonderful yep in Roald book and yeah I can't believe I'm you know completely blanking on these I picked seven books with Featuring librarians. So check that out. You know, when, is, uh, when is it going to be it published? published? It'll come out, I think, on Tuesday. I think tomorrow. Definitely oh, okay. Sometime this week. But All I'll right. It might be tomorrow. Yes. All See, right. I've made it so long ago that it has left my brain, but at least I remembered a couple titles.
1: So this is, um, so I guess uh, today it's um, July 17th. So it'll be out by the time this this goes up. Yep. Um, Laura, yeah. Laura, thank you so much. Are you working on another book at the moment?
0: Yes, I was very happy to finish a very bad draft of the complete draft of a new novel before all of this started. So I, yes, I have that to go back to. I love revising. So I'm happy to be done with drafting. <laughs> yes
1: excellent well this was wonderful um check out how can i help you this book is so so good it is ah oh, i i just was i had a good friend over this weekend and i just kept telling her how good it was um, oh, that's awesome yeah that's and i'm one. telling everybody who's listening how good it is um good. it is amazing you have blurbs from like Paul Tremblay, who wrote oh. a, The Cabin at the End of the World, and like Samantha Downing, who writes these really wild <laughs> books, too, that I love. Yeah. I mean, really, this is this is going to be one I think that's going to be on everyone's radar. Uh, I hope so. And it's
0: going <laughs> to cross over genres. I, I think so. I hope so. That that's wonderful.
1: So once again, this was Jessica with Sayas Libraries Turn the Page podcast. Our guest today was
0: laura sims
1: and we are going to close this chapter of turn the page it's time to close this chapter of turn the page join us for the next episode